Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Adam, how nice is it that we're actually talking about Broncos football? Feels good. It feels really good to be talking about actual football stuff. And in terms of stuff, they've had a couple practices. Uh, Training camp has started. And we're seeing a theme develop from the people who are live tweeting what's going on on the practice field. And for those who don't know, all the media is up on the bump now. So they're up on top of the hill where fans usually sit. That's where they have to watch practice. The only people allowed around the practice field where the media typically stands is the Broncos media, the the people who work for the organization. And (laughs) this is a bit of a a fork in the road. Follow Mike Kliss for his live practice (laughs) updates. Oh my God. They are so awesome. And by awesome, I mean awesomely horrible because it's so vague. Luck to Sutton. That's it. That's the, that's the tweet. No context. No, how long was it? No, was there pressure? And then it's followed by 
Two straight runs. Gordon Lindsay. Hashtag nine sports. I love that. Hashtag nine sports. Is that is that really a hashtag? Are we do, do people know that hashtag? Like, do does anybody jump on Twitter and go to like the search and just type in hashtag nine sports and expect to see a bunch of stuff from? Am, am I missing something? You know, I don't. I'm I'm not a. I'm not living in Colorado anymore, so I don't get my sports fix from nine news, as it were. But is that really a thing? Hashtag nine sports. Oh, okay, which nine are they, Mike? And I'm I. That is a perplexing question. I don't have the answer to it. All right. Let's we'll see know. if you have the answer to this. Uh-oh. Again, let's go back, back on path. One thing was developed, and that is the front seven is consistently getting pressure on Drew Locke and the running game, which is a great sign, regardless of the offensive line. But is it more about the front seven? Or is it more about how crappy the offensive line is? That was a nice way of putting that. I appreciate you. You know, not. I don't have to hit the hit the beeper there. Um, yeah, you know, it is that is the discussion I've seen both on Twitter and then in our Slack channel. And um, I think that it depends on which side you want to come down on. Do you want to be positive or negative? Do you want to say that? the the defense is 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 incredible and they're you know they're you know wrecking things or do you want to talk about the offensive line being awful and and it's all their fault or and this is maybe a a different take on it one that I haven't really seen and and I'm not really going to go with half full or half empty depending on your perspective so much as it's like day three of camp and how much time has the offensive line had to really gel considering Elijah Wilkinson is now your starting right tackle. They've had two different starting centers because I know they're, for whatever reason, trying different guys at center that aren't named Lloyd Cushenberry. And you still have Garrett Holds, Bowles, on the... See, now you got me saying it just by accident. You have Garrett Bowles still playing left tackle. Couple that with the fact that you've got Bradley Chubb and Von Miller healthy. You've got Jarrell Casey, who is a, a beast... I mean, it's it's almost unfair to the offensive line, which makes it unfair to Drew Locke, and it really makes it difficult to analyze whether or not it's worth getting excited about. That is that is the, the, the point that we're at in training camp as well. Everything that we see, all of the tweets, all of the hype videos, all of the Locke to Sutton, even that from Mike Kliss, which is, you know, the, the plainness of it is just gorgeous, is is designed to get us excited, but it also is is confusing because how much excitement can you really have about a team that hasn't done anything because they haven't done anything. There's nothing that's been done. I I love the work. I love the, and and I'm as as excited as the next guy. I think maybe somebody will probably be like, no, you're not listen to you. Yeah, I I am, but I'm also going to, I'm going to temper my excitement a little bit and go, yeah, well, let's, let's see what happens in a couple of weeks. Let's see where they're at in three weeks. Let's see where they're at when we get, closer to the start of the actual season before I really start to like jump up and down and go rah, rah about that. I think this is a case where both things can be true. I think you can be excited about the front seven and it is the front seven, but also that the offensive line is crappy. And the other thing to consider is you have a new right guard in Graham Glasgow who has never played with any of these guys 
This is the first time that they've been on the field actually doing football reps. So that's something else to keep in mind. But I think it can be a case where both are true. And you mentioned something that is really not sitting well with me as we sit here. This isn't a typical offseason. This isn't a typical training camp. This isn't a typical preseason. They haven't been able to practice until now. This is the first live-action reps they've been taking since they played the Oakland Raiders at the end of the 2019 regular season. Why are you not giving every single effing rep to Lloyd Cushenberry? Why are you wasting your time with Austin Schlotman and Patrick Morris? I get that they're veterans. I get that you want to be able to have a guy earn it. I am so sick of that phrase. This isn't a typical preseason. This isn't a typical training camp. You want to be able to develop that rapport with Lloyd Cushenberry and Drew Locke from the word go. You know he is going to be your starting center. Why mess around with all this BS when you're taking reps away from him and he could be developing that rapport with Dalton Reisner on his left, Graham Glasgow on his right, and Drew Locke as his quarterback. Instead of Drew Locke having to work with all three of these guys, I do not get it. And I don't mean to be so worked up, but it happens. That's it's work yourself into a bit of a lather there. I like it. But I I I just I fail to comprehend the logic of this. It makes no sense to me. You can say, but he's not ready yet. Well, how do you know? He hasn't taken any reps with the ones yet. Well, and how do you get ready? I mean, that's that's the other thing that drives me nuts. And I, and it goes back to the old cliche of, you know, trying to hire people with experience. Well, how do I get experience if I don't get hired? It's, it, you know, that sort of going around in a circle kind of thing. And, and I, you know, it's funny because Ryan Edwards, friend of the show, uh, tweeted out that Cushenberry wasn't taking snaps at center. And I, you know, I, I hit him with the, uh, but why, uh, gif and, and he gave sort of a, I don't know, some sort of a, I, I think it was a legitimate answer. You know, he'll be working his way into the starting rotation soon. It, it, you're, you're not wrong though, Ian there. You're not that far off. I, I see the value in giving him time to, to work into the offense. And if there is anything that, uh, there, any type of reservation that the coaches might have about him or things that they want him to sort of figure out before they put him in with the ones, before they throw him to the wolves of this front seven that everybody wants to get so excited about, then maybe what you do is you, is you ease him in and you let him get used to the speed of a pro football team. Because I don't care where you played. I don't care that you were you know, at LSU and you won a national championship and all those other things. Once you get to the NFL, it's a different speed. And I know it's practice and I know it's I know it's, you know, just now with the pads on and I get it. But it is still a different speed and it is something he's going to have to adjust to. So if I want to if I if I if I want to take a step back cuz I'm in I'm in the same boat you are. I agree. Get the kid his reps. But if I take a step back and I look at it from a sort of an outside the Broncos country orange and blue tinged glasses area and I and I ask, "Well, why would you do that?" That's, I guess that's the answer I come up with. That's that's really the only thing I can think of is, well, we're going to ease him in. We're going to give him a, a week, right, of of reps with the twos, work him in with the ones, and then eventually he's your starter. I also see some value in preparing a guy like Schlotman or the other guy who I don't even know his name because who cares, 
and making sure that you have somebody that can be serviceable if Lloyd Cushenberry, who is a draft pick, ends up being not as good as you thought he would be, ends up being a bit of a bust. And so you're hedging your bets a little bit by allowing who is probably going to be the backup to get a little bit of rapport with your starting quarterback just because you know that you're probably going to have to put him in or you might have to put him in later on. I I, I guess that's the only thing. I'm trying to come up with a logical explanation. I I don't know if I'm doing a very good job. I might be failing here. I'm used to that. I'm used to it. It's not you that is failing. It's the antiquated logic behind wanting to do this. If this was a typical preseason, if training camp started on July 28th and Lloyd Cushenberry had working minicamp and then they had mandatory minicamp in early June, end of May to do this, then yes, I could see it. Because then you would have a better idea if, if Lloyd Cushenberry is ready. Or do you need to continue to go, to go with Schlotman or Morris? This isn't that scenario. This is a scenario where the Broncos play in less than three weeks. That actually, I like that you said that. Can I just September tenth? Less than three weeks. That feels good. It also reminds me I need to send out some information about my fantasy football leagues. I guess I better jump on that. Sorry. So, one of the things that everyone is talking about, regardless of where they are in the country and the team they cover, the coaches, the players, the media. You have to take advantage of your reps. How can a guy take advantage of his reps when he's not given the ability to be the starter when he's going to be the starter? Everyone listening to this, everyone watching that practice knows Lloyd Cushenberry is going to be the starter. That's the idea. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That is the idea. I think I think you're right. So why wait, right? That's the... That's, and that's that's my ultimate issue with it. Why are you delaying the inevitable? I mean, I totally get why they waited with Drew Locke. Obviously, he was hurt, all that stuff. I'm not going there. It goes back to, and Joe Rolls will mention this, and it gets under his craw really easily, why the wait to put in Alexander Johnson? It's the same kind of thing. And I'm not trying to harp on Vic Fangio. I think this is beyond even Vic Fangio. I think this is an NFL antiquated approach to to working people and making them earn whatever it is they're given. You want to, and especially with Elway. I mean, this goes back to with John Fox, where they wanted competition. They wanted guys to earn it. I totally get that. But you also have to adjust and realize this isn't a typical offseason. And I, I trust Fangio. He's been in the NFL longer or close to it than I've been alive. He knows more about football and has forgotten more about football than I will ever know. I, and I respect the hell out of Vic Fangio. But this, I don't get this. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's funny because we uh, respect Vic Fangio. I think that's the thing that you just said is we have a lot of respect for Vic Fangio and, and we like what he's doing with this team. And, and I think that there is a, a bit of a disconnect there. Maybe it's his age. He is older. And so there's clearly a, a way of doing things that he's maybe more comfortable with and that he, you know, the offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, might be more comfortable with. But, but you make a very good point about this being sort of an atypical offseason season. And you have to be able to adjust. 
So speaking of adjusting, and this is like the worst pivot or segue ever, but that's okay. Uh, I want to talk about the adjustment that Von Miller has made to his just beastliness. I don't know if, if there's another way to describe it. The dude is like just tearing thing. He just, he, he looks like he's out to destroy. He looks like he heard all of the, the, uh, the, the BS about how he'd lost a step or he wasn't as good anymore, or he wasn't an elite pass rusher because he wasn't getting the sacks. And then he got the COVID and he had to recover from that. I feel like he's a guy that's, that's on a mission. He looks angry. He looks mean. He looks tough. He looks bigger. He looks like he's ready to destroy all things that get in his way. That that is something you can get excited about. I know I talked about tempered excitement after three days. You you can see it with Von Miller. Go ahead, get excited, enjoy that. This guy looks like he's about to to go off. And having Bradley Chubb healthy on the other side and Jarrell Casey healthy in the middle, and it couldn't hurt. The image that popped into my mind as you were talking about him destroying things and just wanting to to be that kind of player that is in on everything like he was in that playoff run for Super Bowl 50 is Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> That's pretty, I like that. He kind of looks like, I wouldn't say he looks like Wreck-It Ralph, but if you look at, if you look at Von Miller, and I haven't done this by like an actual comparison where I took picture of Von Miller from last year, picture of Von Miller from this year, but if you just look at him, he looks bigger. Am I, am I wrong about that? He looks sort of bulked up in the top and in his legs. His legs look freaking jacked. Like he's he has not skipped leg day in a long time. Leg day is like the only day for him. His legs look like Saquon Barkley's, and those are like Redwoods. Well, he's, he's got the record for uh, for the squat at Penn State, right? And it's like he squat, he did like a million pounds or something 50 times. or Those numbers are probably wrong, but – it's something ridiculous. Yeah, more than that. It's probably, I've probably shortchanged him, which is which is amazing. But it, I, I just think that if you want, you know, you can talk about the frustration with the offensive line, and and you can talk about having tempered expectations a few days in. But if you if you want to get excited about something, and I, I think this is legitimately something you you should get excited about. It's a return to form for Von Miller because he is going to be another year in Vic Fangio's system. He is going to have that that extra uh, understanding of how the defense works. On top of that, I think that there is a chip on his shoulder. And, and Von Miller is one of the best pass rushers in the history of the NFL. There, I said it. Last year, he it's not that he struggled, right? I, I don't think that's fair. And, and as, as fans of the team, we're going to defend him because that's what we do. But there was a lack of production in the way of sacks. He was not bringing quarterbacks down as much as he has in the past. He heard that from all kinds of media outlets that Von Miller wasn't the elite pass rusher that he had been. Von Miller is getting old. Von Miller has lost a step. And let's face it, Father Time, I say it all the time because it, it it's true, Father Time is undefeated. Father time wins every single time, but you can push father time back for as long as possible. And I think that that's what Von Miller's doing here. I think Von Miller has decided that this year is going to be a year where he 
absolutely destroys the competition. And he's going to have the help that he hasn't really had in the last couple of years. And that's not to say that last year's Denver Broncos defense was bad. It wasn't. The Denver Broncos have had a good defense for years. But individually, Von Miller maybe struggled a little bit. The production wasn't quite there. I think you can bet on production being there for Von Miller in 2020. I think it's going to be the perfect storm. I You mentioned Bradley Chubb being back healthy. He has the motivation. Regardless if he says he's heard the talk that he may have lost a step, he's heard it because someone has told him from his inner circle that, have you seen what CBS said, that you're not even in the top 10? I think the other thing that's going to really impact him is Darrell Casey. I, I think that interior pass rush, that interior presence that he has the ability to bring to this defense is going to be huge for, for Bradley Chubb and for Von Miller. I think it's also going to be huge for the linebackers and Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson. So I, I think you're going to see a defense that is incredibly motivated. And I think the other thing that's going to tie into all of this that has motivated Von Miller perhaps more than all of it is Drew Locke. Absolutely. Playing for a, a quarterback that uh, it's excitement, right? I guess that's the key, right? When you look at who the quarterback has been over the course of the last five seasons, right? Case Keenum, uh, you know, like we're going to get excited about that. It's Trevor Simeon. Yay. Like I can't, there's, there's no excitement to any of that. Joe Flacco. There's no, it's, it's the excitement. Isn't super elite there. It's more, it's it's you know lukewarm, but Drew Locke. It's elite lukewarm. It's, it's, it's like what does elite lukewarm feel like? I wonder if you if you were to like stick your finger into elite lukewarm water, does that mean that it's got like fizzy to it a little bit? It's just it's you know body temperature whatever, but it's but it's it's like bubbly water. It's like it's like seltzer water. It's room temperature seltzer water. That's your elite lukewarm water. I think that's that's the best description. Anyway, I digress here. Drew Locke is exciting. Being on a defense that has had to be the team and hold teams to 15 points or you were going to lose is that's draining on a guy. Being on a team that has the potential and that's really where we're at right now. So so again, I'm going to temper the excitement a little. But being on the team that has potential to score a lot of points that's got to be exciting for a guy who played in that Peyton Manning era when you knew, I mean, just think back to when Peyton Manning first arrived in Denver, the 2012, 2013, I, those, those teams you knew were going to score 30 points. You're like, well, we're going to score 30 today. As a defense, that gives you the feeling of, I don't have to be perfect and I can pin my ears back and go after the quarterback every now and then. And I can, uh, I can miss an assignment because I'm trying to to do something special. I can be off sides a couple of times trying to time up the snap count. The points on the board give the defense the opportunity to be a little riskier. And I think that gives Von Miller that sort of injection of youth, right? That idea of I can go back to doing things the way I did them when I knew we were going to score 30 and I could I could maybe miss a sack or give up a, a, a long run because I knew that we were going to come back and score a touchdown and it didn't matter. That 
that is one of those things that it it takes the pressure off. It gives you that attitude of we're going to win this game and so I'm going to do some cool stuff out here. It's it's a perfect like you said, it's a bit of a perfect storm there for for Von Miller. It it rejuvenates him because of the youth on the offensive side of the football. And not just from Von Miller, but for the entire defense, it takes the stress off of them too because they don't have to be perfect. If this offense lives up to the hope and the expectations that everyone in Broncos country has, that is going to make the defense better because they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to make a stop every single time they're on the field. That doesn't mean that that's not the goal, but they don't feel like if they don't do their job or they give up a long play for a touchdown, that that's the game. It's so much, it frees them up to just play the game. And if you talk to any coach at any level, that's what it's about. Limit the thinking, limit all of that stuff, just play the game. And that's what will allow this to happen. And it is it is so refreshing, as we've said so many times on this podcast, that the Broncos appear to finally have their quarterback. Because that's what it does. It frees up everything else in the organization, not just on the field, but the coaches, the front office, John Elway, the scouts, they're now free to stop having to look for a quarterback and they can put their focus on everything else. Hopefully tackle. It'd be, <laughs> tackle would be nice. Tackle would work for us. I know, I know that we were, we were very high on drafting a wide receiver uh, last year, which they did with Jerry Judy. And I, and I think that that's great. And now they can focus on tackle that that'll, that'll work for me. But speaking of Jerry Judy, and, and speaking of, of KJ Hamler and, and speaking of that re- wide receiver core that you're going to have out there, that's another thing that gives Von Miller that, that sort of that hope, right? That understanding that this offense is not going to be a bland, boring field goal producing offense. This is going to be an explosive, high powered touchdown scoring offense. And, and I haven't even mentioned Cortland Sutton and we haven't even brought up Noah Fant or the, you know, the addition of, of Albert Akbuegwanam and how he's going to impact Drew Locke. We haven't talked about any of that, but we know that there is going to be excitement. Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, sure. I'll just go ahead and round that out for everybody. We know there's going to be excitement on the offensive side of the football, and it does. It plays into the defense, and it plays into them being excited to be there and not feeling the burden of having to just carry everything at all times. If you haven't seen the videos of Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler, they're on the Denver Broncos social feed on Twitter. Look them up. And there's uh, a, one of the videos of KJ Hamler was actually turned into a story on Mile High Report. Not to to pick on Devonte Harris, but KJ Hamler absolutely abused him on his route. <laughs> he shook him all kinds of different directions. I, you, I watched that and felt bad. I, I really did. I watched that and was like, come on. Don't, that's your teammate. That's mean. You you guys are on the same team. Give him a chance. I, I mean, it just shows what's capable with these guys. And then on Tuesday's practice, Cortland Sutton had a toe, touch, uh, a toe tap touchdown catch, which obviously, I mean, it's Cortland Sutton. But the fact that Cherry Judy and K.J. Hamler are already doing this stuff 
And I think it's the thing that we've touched on, especially with Judy. It's the fact that he puts in the work, his work ethic. That's what is continually raved about from Jer- about Jerry Judy. Drew Locke did it earlier this week. It just when you work hard, good things happen. One of my favorite phrases over the course of my life is the harder you work, the luckier you get. And that is so true in sports. If you work hard, good things will happen to you. If you do the little things right, the big things will take care of themselves. And that's what you're starting to see with the mentality that the Broncos have now. It started a couple of drafts ago. The last three drafts have really showed that's what the Broncos want. They want to change the mentality. They want to get it back to what the Broncos have been known for, which is you're going to bring your lunch pail to Dove Valley and you're going to get to work because that was the expectation from the guy at the top. Absolutely. You know, the other thing that um, I just sort of saw in passing, and it was a, it was a quote, and I'm going to butcher the quote, so I'll just paraphrase it, but it was from A.J. Boyer, who is in his first camp in Denver, and he talked about Jerry Judy and his route running, and he said, working against a guy who runs routes like that, and I, again, I'm not going to get it perfect here, but that's okay, is going to make him better because it's going to make him be more technical in his coverage and the way that he covers a guy because his route running is so precise. So so to me, that is a huge compliment from a, a veteran cornerback who is considered to be one of the better guys in the NFL at his position to look at a rookie and go, his route running is so precise that I have to be technically really good to be able to cover him. And that's going to make me better moving forward. So Again, it's just a situation where you have what's going on on the offensive side of the football actually playing into helping the defense in a multitude of ways, whether it be attitude and excitement, like we talked about with Von Miller, or a guy like A.J. Boye looking at the competition of those receivers and their route running and how that's going to make him a better cornerback when they play other teams. When he goes up against guys like uh, Amari Cooper, who I think that uh, he compared, there was a comparison between Jerry Judy and Amari Cooper, although hopefully just in the way that they play, not like in whether or not they show up in big games and uh, you know, or drop big passes or drop big passes. Exactly. And, and just try not to be mean, but just, just pointing out some facts, but it, it's like that, realization that hey we've you look around and you you look at the players and you look at everybody on the field and you go I think we might have something here and and you get that recognition from the defensive side when they look at the offensive side of the football clearly they don't do that when they look at the offensive line I think when they look at the offensive line they go okay well we'll see right there's a there's there's potential in the middle there's issues on the outside but when they look at the rest of it that is that is something where you go, okay, I think we have something here. I think we can work with this. And the defense is going to be good. It's been good. It will be good. It's another year under Vic Fangio. I don't know what there is that you wouldn't be excited about when you look at this football team. It's why they're one of the more hyped underdog teams in the offseason. I think when you, they talk about underdog teams, the Denver Broncos pop up a lot, which means – that people know about them, which can you be an underdog if you're constantly I, anyway, I digress. What's interesting about that. And this, this is a, a promo for my full-time job, which is lead writer at play Colorado. I actually interviewed the lead sports book 
guy for uh, DraftKings and Johnny Avello, who's been a book a bookie for forty years. And I I interviewed him about the Broncos, and I said, so what is it that you look for in teams when you're putting odds together? For the season, especially for like futures bets and and what teams will do the win the over under for wins and it's the same as it was after the draft they have the Broncos at seven and a half wins and I asked him what is it that determines the big thing for you when you're putting odds together for a team and he said quarterback so I said are you buying into the hype of Drew Locke or do you want to see more he said I need to see a little bit more. But if he plays like he did the last five games, this team is going to be one that can compete in the next couple of seasons. So that's from one of the guru bookmakers, at, and especially at DraftKings, which we joked before we started recording, I feel like DraftKings wants to own everything. It's... I mean, that, that's a positive sign because it, it's hard to convince bookmakers to, to change their opinion on a team, especially with one that he has at seven and a half wins for the over-under. So I, there is some positive from all of this. Obviously, he still wants to see more from Drew Locke, which is understandable. I think you fall into that category. You're not completely on board or sold yet. I mean, I'm on. So, the, I'm on the train. I'm. I'm. I'm on the train. I'm just. You know. I'm, I'm just. I'm just sitting and I'm. I'm observing. Right. I'm on the train, but I'm observing. Choo choo. That leads in. That leads into some uh, uh, promos that I think everyone should be aware of. So, sports betting is legal now in Colorado. If you're not doing it in Colorado. There are so many promos that the sports books are throwing at people. It's free money. Like, you don't even need to know what you're betting on. It's free money. It's ridiculous. You're betting with free money. Now, obviously, you don't want to get to the point where it's an addiction and it becomes a problem, but it is another form of entertainment. It's another way to watch the game. But there are two recent promos that I'm bringing up that don't even have anything to do with sports betting. And it's obviously one of them is from DraftKings. They're doing a hundred million golden ticket giveaway. That's where I think that they want to control everything. Um, but the idea is, is that it's a survivor, a survivor pool. So you pick a winner for the first week. And if your team and you survive, you move on to the next week where it becomes a challenge is if the team that you pick, so if you pick the Denver Broncos to beat the Tennessee Titans in week one, I think that's the same and they pick. win, you can't pick the same team twice. You uh-huh. can't pick the Denver Broncos again the rest of the season. Crossing that's where it becomes challenging. Okay. All right. But one, so how it works is that you sign up or create a DraftKings account, reserve your entry in the 1 million NFL survivor pool. That player gains access to the golden ticket giveaway. DraftKings will post survivor picks for week one starting on September 8th, two days ahead of the Houston Texans and Kansas City Chiefs season opener. The $1 million pool prize could go to a single champion or split among multiple winners. Once you reserve your spot in the survivor pool, 
you can claim a free reward that ranges in value from $5 to $25,000. You can then opt in to the Golden Ticket Giveaway Sweepstakes, where one, one winner is guaranteed $1 million. And then, through various contests, customers can compete, can compete all season long for another free shot at a million-dollar top prize. So there's that one from DraftKings. Not so bad. The next one is a sportsbetting.com offer that offers up to a million fans, a million dollars in a pick'em contest for Colorado football fans. How this one works is the contest focuses on week one of the NFL regular season. Contestants must pick against the spread and over-under selections for the 16 games to start the 2020 season. Anyone who correctly picks all 32 outcomes will win the $1 million prize. Wow. I, I'd take a million dollars right now. I'm not doing anything. I, I'm not too busy to grab a mill and go, you know, spend it on something fun. So the good thing about the, both of those contests, I mean, obviously they're promos. They're trying to draw awareness to DraftKings and SportsBetting.com. Sportsbetting.com isn't up yet. It's a part of Carousel Group, who has a market deal with Johnny Nolan's Casino and Cripple Creek. But it's not sports betting. It's just basically a pick 'em. It's just games. A survivor pool. Yeah. And then a pick 'em. Jump on it. Go get your go get your free money. That's that's essentially what we're saying here. Go get your free money. So I, I think that's I, I like it. I'm fine. I think it'll be fun. Go get some money, folks. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. One of the least surprising bits of news from Tuesday is Randy Gratishar is going to have to wait another year. He was not one of the senior senior committee picks for the Pro Football Hall of Fame for 2021. Just another another year, another mistake, right? I don't know what else to say there. It's, it's It's been far too long. It felt like there was a positive push that that Randy Gratishar was gaining some traction and that we were going to be able to do a, a little bit of a Denver Broncos celebration with that. And um, I, I guess not. It's Now, it's interesting. Drew Pearson, who is the nominee for, um, you know, for, for this, is a, a cowboy. So, you know, another cowboy. Why not? But he was also the guy who um, I think nationally – when you looked at the hundred, you know, the hundredth year class or whatever that they were doing, 
he was the one who nationally was uh, perceived as being one of the most overlooked. I think he was actually having like a, a watch party and didn't, and his name was never read. And so he ends up looking like, yeah, that was a bad look, right? He, he was disappointed. I think there were a lot of people who questioned that. I, I, honestly, I don't know if he deserves to be in or not. I, I know that as a fan of the Denver Broncos, Randy Gratishar does deserve to be in. And it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, you're just waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and, and the wait might be forever. The call may never come. The opportunity may never present itself, but it's just another moment where it seems like the NFL and the pro football hall of fame and, and the guys who are making these decisions are tone deaf, maybe not tone deaf, but just blind to the realities of, of who Randy Gratishar was. And we've done a lot at mile high report to try and get his name out. I would like to see the Denver Broncos do a little bit more for him. I think that there's uh, an opportunity there for him to be presented in a way by the Broncos themselves that would showcase who he is. But it's just, it's one of those ongoing, continuing things that he keeps having to wait. We have to wait with him. And it's disappointing to say the least. And the thing that makes it so maddening is every single person who knows Randy Gratishar, who played with or watched him play knows he should be in the hall of fame. And obviously there is still some issue with his tackles. That is obviously still an issue. Whether you think the Broncos lied or they made it up, that's still an issue, but there is one way that that is irrelevant, that it doesn't matter how many tackles he had, whether they lied about it. That somehow makes me think that you think Randy Gratishar was in on it. Yeah, it's like you're going to punish him for somebody else doing something. I don't get it. But this is one area that ends all of that talk that just shows you how bitter the Hall of Fame selection committee bin has been for 30 years. Since, since Randy Gratishar retired. And it's a stat that I will read until he is in. And it's courtesy of Andrew Mason. The Broncos linebacker is one of 10 linebackers in the history of professional football to hold the stat line of 20-plus career interceptions, 10-plus fumble recoveries, and 7-plus Pro Bowl selections. The other nine earned Hall of Fame induction within two years of eligibility. There's only one that has yet to be inducted in the Hall of Fame, and it is the biggest snub of them all. Beyond Drew Pearson, beyond any of the 1960s Packers teams that played for Vince Lombardi, any of the 1970s Steelers that played for Chuck Knoll, any of the 1972 Miami Dolphins, any of the Baltimore Ravens or Cleveland Browns or New York Jets from the 1950s. There is no bigger snub in the history of professional football than Randy Gratishar. And I don't care if you hold the Broncos and Jim Sacamano and Red Miller accountable for what they did 
Joe Collier making up stats or saying that they were may have been assistant tack or it, it wasn't really single tackles, it was combined. I just debunked every argument against Randy Gratishar. And I will say this and repeat it until he finally gets his place in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.